you for joining us this week for Sunday worship. As a church family, we would normally be in our building and we could pass the collection plates. We share our time, our talents, and our treasure. However, since we are unable to be together, we are asking for your continued support. You can e-transfer to treasure at graceunitedhanover.ca or graceuc at whiteman.ca. Checks can also be mailed to Grace United Church, 310 12th Street, Hanover, Ontario, N4N1V6. Thank you for your support. God is with us. We are held in God's love and the love of community. We carry a lot in life. We carry a lot through this pandemic. We carry a lot through this past week. So I invite you to take a nice deep breath in and out and know that during this time and all times, you are held in love and care and support. It is really, really great to look out and see people again. Well, I saw a couple people last month. Um, but to see more of you in the sanctuary today um, and knowing that, of course, there are people at home worshiping with us as well. But it's wonderful to open the doors of the church on Sunday morning again and to welcome all of you back in. Um, as we come up to the two-year... Oh, yeah, yeah let's, let's applaud that. That's worth an applause. A reminder that you are you are um, welcome to sing the hymns. We ask that you sing um, softly, um, as if you're singing to the person next to you, um, just as a way of, of caring for one another. Also, when we leave the church, um, that we're just mindful of not blocking um, the aisles or the entryways, and being mindful that um, people have different comfort levels around space with other people right now. I want to thank everyone as well. Um, you know, we went through another shutdown. Um, we've been through a lot these last two years, a lot of changes, a lot of adaptation. Um, we've learned what it's like to, to have masks, to not sing, to sing, to all sorts of things. Um, and your continued care in protecting yourself and one another and showing God's love in that way is magnificent. A big thank you to the staff of the church who've continued to adapt. Um, we have a thriving book club that started up during the pandemic that has had authors join it. Um, something we couldn't get an author from another part of Canada or the world to join in person. Um, Heather is doing different activities, Sally, and all, all sorts of ways of, of reaching out, connecting. So thank you for your support and participation in those things. We've um, bought a new camera to help celebrate that worship isn't just what happens in this space. Our worshiping community is here and wherever people join us together. And these are all 
great things and they're all made possible because of each one of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your continued support of encouragement, of prayers, of finances that have helped us keep going um, and all the ways you care for myself and one another. It is a blessing. Let's give each other a round of applause because we all deserve that. Um, one of the things, you know, we, we hope that things start easing up and, and it sounds like provincial guidelines will be easing up. And as a church, we'll have to start one day looking at how do we ease up in a way that respects that people will be at different places around comfort um, and um, stepping into some of the things that would have felt really normal two years ago. One of the things that we're looking at is whether to... Um, you know, beginning in March, when there is no longer a requirement of social distancing, if we open up a portion, not all the whole church, but a portion of um, the center aisle to allow people to sit where they would like, um, you can still be mindful of distance, encouraging people to ask if you want to sit beside someone to say, do you mind if I sit beside you and, and be mindful of how much distance people want? But to open up a little portion, um, some churches did this pre-Christmas um, with the vaccination policies in place, and allow that to be a, for those who are comfortable, who want to sit with their friends, even if it's you know six feet apart, that allows that space. Our, our chair, Pat, who is full of deep wisdom, thank you, Pat, um, suggested, why not ask the people at church? Because you're the ones who come to church. So how many people would be comfortable with a portion of the middle aisle being opened up to, there would be no ropes on the side, and just to allow you to sit where you would like? Hmm. Pat, great suggestion. That makes it very clear. So um, beginning March, we'll be doing that, which will also mean that... Um, you know, we haven't been hitting our, our, our capacity limits with spacing, so um, I think in beginning of March, we'll look at no longer having to reserve a spot either. Um, thank you for doing that. I know it's been tiring, <laughs> phoning each week and reserving, but it has been a huge help. Um, but yeah, so some, some changes coming. Uh, next Sunday, um, service will be a little different on uh, February 27th. The service will be a little different. We're going to be in the CE hall for the service. Um, spaced out, chair spaced out. You'll have to RSVP for that because we will, that will help us figure out where to put chairs. Because we'll be having our um, annual meeting and this year it's going to be taking place during worship. Um, we'll be, there's a practicality to that. It means that you won't have to be sitting for the service and then sitting for um, the annual meeting, because that can be a long time of sitting. But it also is a celebration that the work we do is deeply rooted in our worship. So we're going to be having the annual meeting in the middle of worship, where the sermon would be. So we'll have a shortened worship, the beginning of it, the annual meeting, and then the continuation of worship. Um, all within a little longer than we normally have a Sunday service. So that will be taking place in the sanctuary. And, the CE Hall. Um, the annual reports are at the back. They were also mailed out. Um, printed copies are at the back. Um, for those who are at home or who are not going to be able to be here in person, 
it will also be taking place um, via Zoom. So if you want to take part in the meeting, you can come in person or take part through Zoom. It will also be live streamed if you want to just watch. You won't be able to vote or discuss things through the live stream on our Facebook page and YouTube. Thank you to Adam for all your technical skills um, to help with that. Um, something new that's at the back of the church. See, you're not here for a couple weeks and I have all these announcements now to share. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, printed copies of the services are at the back now as well. They're also going up on our, our website each week if you want a printed copy of basically all the stuff I read. Um, it's on there. Um, there's also, I, I've been playing with um, some new technology. There's also an interactive one where you can scroll through it and when you get to the video, if there's a video, you can just hit play right on there and it will play for you in the little window. It adds little images to it so it, it comes more than just printed text, you can click on all the links. So printed copies at the back of the church if you would like one or if you want to hand it off to somebody, also available on our Facebook page. And if you're at home and you'd like one delivered, please call the church and we will um, work on delivering printed services to you. Gotta go through my checklist here. Um, a couple of um, continued work happening in the church. Our coffee time continues to happen virtually at 12 o'clock by Zoom every Sunday. Uh, Monday morning chair yoga continues with Sally at 9.30 to 10.15 on Zoom. Um, walk and talk is back. If you want to get together for some outdoor um, walking and sharing community. That happens Thursday at 9.30, meeting in the church yard, so about by the parking lot. If the weather is cold, um, Sally will host a Zoom exercise class. So you can um, email Sally, or email the church, uh, or email Sally if you've got Sally's email address. Um, also, um, Heather, our family, ch children, family, and youth, um, person who looks after children, family, youth ministry, is doing a snow creature challenge. So I invite you not just to think about this as a thing for kids, but if anybody wants to go play in the snow, you're always welcome. Um, you're invited to build a snow creature, whatever you would like, and take a photo and um, show people. It can be snow people, snow animals, snow unicorns, snow creatures, anything you'd like. And you can send a photo to um, Heather, the, the weekend emails have her email address or the church office and um, submissions by February 28th. And I'm hoping that they won't just go up on our Facebook page, but we'll work on have them shown during worship as well as a celebration of God's gift of creativity and God's gift of snow, uh, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like a gift of snow. I think that's it. Any celebration, oh, we've got a firm announcement, but any, any celebrations during the month of February or the month of January if we missed them? Any birthdays, anniversaries? No. Well, if you are celebrating this month, um, we celebrate with you. And we have a special video announcement by Affirm. Hi, I'm Adam Olivero, Chair of the Affirming Committee at Grace United Church in Hanover, Ontario, and I would like to bring you this video from the Affirm United uh, itself talking a little bit about Pi Day and what it all means. So let's hear from that video right now.
Can you believe that the National Affirming Pi Day is celebrating its fourth birthday on March 14th? It's been such a pleasure to see how faith communities across the country have leaned into being people who embody the unconditional love of God. Some of you are wondering, what does PI have to do with being affirming? Well, the acronym PI, P-I-E, stands for public, intentional, and explicit. Those three words are shorthand for we want to be faithful people in communities who are actively welcoming and affirming to the LGBTQIA and Two-Spirit communities. What we're really saying is, beyond the words in the statements, what does it look and feel like to be affirming in your community? This year's theme is, everyone gets a slice. Looking at the 2S LGBTQIA acronym, which represents an endless diversity of identities and expressions, we acknowledge that some of the people who are represented by these letters often tend to get left out or underserved. I invite you and your ministry to consider which folks you may not have included in your affirming programming and educational efforts. For example, you could consider how to make your washrooms gender-inclusive or all-gender, or have single stalls available for those who don't feel comfortable or safe using the washroom that fits their gender identity. Or ask everyone in the community of faith to place their pronouns on their name tags. What about exploring ways to include bisexual or pansexual folks who can often feel invisible if they appear to be in a heterosexual partnership? Consider sharing stories from intersex or asexual people who often get left out of the acronym. You could invite a two-spirit person to share their experiences with your congregation, if they're willing. Or consider doing a book club with a book written by a two-spirit author. Those are just a handful of ideas to get your creativity flowing. As for me, I'm going to do some more learning about what it means to be non-binary and how the ways we speak in our liturgy emphasize a binary gender understanding of people and of God. The love of God and the pie of affirming never run out. We seek to be people of faith who live into the reality that everyone belongs and everyone gets a slice. Well, thank you very much to Affirm United for explaining what Pi Day is. As you can see, it's a very fun day, and it occurs on March 14th every year, but that's a, a Monday this year in 2022, so technically we'll be celebrating on the 13th. But nothing says you can't have Pi on the 13th and the 14th. By all means, go right ahead. It's Pi Day. 
Uh, I did want to encourage you to watch our Pi Day service that we held uh, virtually at Grace United Church last year. We'll have links for that on our Facebook page if you have trouble finding it. It is on our YouTube channel. Uh, we brought together churches from the Western Ontario Waterways region and the Shining Waters uh, wa region together uh, over Zoom last year to talk about affirming and what it meant to them. Some of the churches are going through the affirming process. Some have gone through. And in the meantime, since we had that uh, Zoom meeting too, I should give congratulations to uh, the Western Ontario Waterways itself becoming an affirming region as well. So I would encourage you to watch the video. Again, watch for the links on our Facebook page or find it on our YouTube channel. Get out some pie and watch it. And uh, I hope you enjoy and uh, really take in the conversation we had around the affirming process here as we celebrate Pi Day 2022. Worship, we recognize that Grace United Church is located in Treaty 45 and a half territory, the traditional territory of the Ottawa, Mississauga, and Anishinaabewaki nations, and home to Saugeen Ojibwe Nation and the Chippewas of Nawash unceded First Nation. We know that this recognition must be more than just words, but a commitment to the ongoing work of truth and reconciliation, and we pray that God may always lead us in this holy work. Friends, let us join together in singing More Voices number 12, Come Touch Our Hearts. together in our call to worship and our opening prayers. 
The chorus of suns and planets announce the beginning of a new day. Each morning births new possibilities and beckons fresh challenges. The cycle of morning music and starry silence promise second chances. Each day provides new vistas and promotes further exploration. The laughter of oceans and the wailing of winds reflect the human condition. Each week declares we are in the world and determines we are of the world. And we pray, God of all life, we give thanks for the signs of love and creativity that surround us and bless us each and every day. May our coming and our going be a blessing to others this day and forevermore. Amen. And I invite Sylvia to share our stories of our faith, formerly called Minute for Mission, and our scripture reading. And may we hear God's love in these words. Families. Record numbers of families are turning to our mission and service partners for support. In the last two years, visits to Canadian food banks have climbed 20%. Today, over 33% of food bank users are children. For families already struggling, there's no relief in sight. Food prices are set to rise another 5 to 7% this year. Record number of families are turning to our mission and service partners for support. That's why on February 21st, as many provinces celebrate Family Day, Mission and Service is launching a special appeal to support Canadian families. Your gift of just $25 will provide a family of four with a warm, nutritious meal. $50 will support a family with two meals. $175 will ensure a family can eat a good, healthy meal every day of the week. Whether you are celebrating Family Day, Heritage, Heritage Day, or if it's just another day, let's make February 21st a day of generosity. If you are able, Please make a special gift to help families and make sure your friends know there is an opportunity to give. With new variants, rolling school closures, lockdowns, fear and uncertainty, families are more stressed than ever. It doesn't cost a lot to show we care. Above all, let us pray for families. Oh God, bless our families. Bless parents who are on edge balancing parenting and work responsibilities. Bless those who feel isolated and alone without childcare supports. Bless parents who are physically and mentally drained. Bless those who are un unable to find or afford safe housing and stable jobs. Bless those giving it their all to approach this time with creativity and compassion. Bless children who feel the uncertainty of these days most acutely. Bless those living in unsafe home environments. Bless young people who are missing friends and gatherings. Bless teens who grieve the loss of graduation celebrations, who have delayed further education and work opportunities, and who are waiting for driver's tests. Bless families facing financial insecurity, struggling to put food on the table. Bless all experiencing anxiety, depression, and other mental health challenges. Bless those waiting for vaccinations and tests 
worried about staying or recovering well. Bless families to express warmth, caring, patience, forgiveness, and love toward one another. Bless them to know it's okay to not be okay and to reach out for support. Bless them with the peace and grace of your Holy Spirit. Bless them to know they aren't alone. Amen. So Jesus came down with the twelve and stood in a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coast of Tyre and Zidon. They'd all come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled by unclean spirits were cured. All the crowd wanted to touch him because power came out from him and healed all of them. But Jesus looked up at his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and revile you and defame you, all on account of the human one. Rejoice and be glad. Surely your reward will be great in heaven. But that's what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you've had your comfort. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when people speak well of you, for that's what their ancestors did to the false prophets.
And Jesus gathered with them on the plane. And he said, blessed are you. And he said, woe to those. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be blessed and enriched by God. One of the blessings that I have had in life is I had some really good teachers. I hope that you had some good teachers in your life, whether they're formal teachers or informal. But one of these great teachers that I had was a man named Professor Jerry Shepard. And he was my Old Testament professor when I studied to become a minister, studying my Master of Divinity degree at Emmanuel College. He was my first year Old Testament professor. He was a brilliant scholar. He's, he's found in different academic um, homes and different academic places. Um, he was a brilliant scholar, had brilliant ideas, and he was a bit of an eccentric teacher. My wife remembers him sometimes coming into the classroom partway through a lesson because he started when he left his office, started teaching with nobody around and just continued until he was in the classroom. A, one of his um, doctorate students helped kind of describe him to me when he said he's like a, a mirror ball. He shoots off these pieces of wisdom because sometimes his thoughts would come out and they were brilliant, but they were all these little pieces all over the place, leaving his teaching assistants to have to try to tell those of us in our first year what he was talking about and put it all together. Brilliant ideas, but all over the place. Often his teaching, well, one of the things that I, I valued about my time with Professor Shepard was that he had a great, great and deep love of scripture. And he shared that love with his students. Um, sometimes it would be he would take a piece of, of the book of the Old Testament we were looking at and you'd say, what do you think about this? What do you think about this word? And he invited us to play and explore what that word might mean. Another time, he took a passage of, of um, the Psalms, a psalm that calls on God to crush the psalmist's enemies, and he asked the class to talk about the passage. People talked about times that they felt like they were suffering and times when they wanted others to hurt, um, who hurt them. Professor Shepard then asked a more challenging question always playing and exploring scripture. What does the psalm sound like if you are the enemy? It completely changed the conversation. It deepened the hearing of the holy words. Professor Shepard pointed out that to fully grasp the power of scripture, we also need to hear it as challenge the way it challenges and critiques as it calls us into a better way of living, to explore it from all sides. Blessings and woes, encouragement and challenge, healing and repentance. He stands on the plain, a level ground, a crowd gathered around him. Jesus' ministry is well underway. He has been preaching and healing for a while now, been driven out of his hometown after boldly proclaiming in the synagogue that the day of God's favor was being fulfilled. He has chosen his disciples. And now, with the new morning, 
they have walked down from the mountainside and Jesus and his disciples find a crowd waiting for them on the plain, on the level ground. These people in all of their child of God beauty, in all of their hopes, in all of their pain, in all of their strengths and their struggles and their suffering, they've gathered to be close to Jesus, to find healing and wholeness in their life, to encounter something holy and profound. It is as if Jesus is aglow with power and he joins them on the level ground. He looks them in the eye, he touches them, and they experience healing, holistic healing. Filled with an encounter of God's healing, they stand there as Jesus begins to preach. Blessed, blessed are you who are poor and hungry and sad and exploited into their broken places, into their aching places, and into the places in their lives that others have used to reject them, humiliate them, or write them off, Jesus offers blessing. God is indeed with them, even if others say God isn't. Today we hear the Beatitudes from the Gospel according to Luke. These Beatitudes have a much sharper edge to them than the Beatitudes that we find in Matthew. After the blessings in Luke come the woes. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full right now. Woe to you who are laughing now. Woe to you when others speak well of you. And amongst those who have encountered healing, amongst those who have come with excitement, there's a sting. Maybe anger or confusion or guilt or a wake-up call. Blessings and woes. Encouragement and challenge. Healing and repentance. Well, friends, I don't know about you, but the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear the Beatitudes is that I think about how God is blessing me. I think most of us do this. When in your life have you felt poor or hungry, either literally or figuratively? When have you been in mourning or felt rejected? Most of us have been or are in places where we are in deep need. Into these places, we need to feel God's blessing, and we're assured of God's blessing, pouring into our lives, offering us strength and healing. And to these places, we need to feel that we are affirmed, celebrated for who we are, named as God's children and God's beloved, and reminded that we are called and equipped into discipleship. I know that this speaks right into the center of my life, and I'm sure that it does for many of you as well into the tiredness of this pandemic, into the exhaustion of having to make careful decisions to care for ourselves and one another again and again and again, into the pain and anger and division and confusion caused by recent protests. We need blessing. We need healing. We need healing for ourselves and for our loved ones and for our divided relationships. 
We need to be healed in our weariness, our burdens lightened, our hope resolved, restored. And if I'm honest, this is where I'd like to end the sermon. Blessings and healing for all of us. But that's not where Luke ends the Beatitudes. As I read the Beatitudes, as I read them and I reflect on them, personally I know that I am also in the places of the woes. The truth is, I'm not poor. I'm not hungry. I'm not mourning. I'm not rejected. Even though there have been times I have been, that I can say that I have literally been in all of these places, overall they don't describe me all that much right now. My experiences of pain and suffering do not give me permission to ignore the pain, suffering, and needs of others. The reality is that when the camera zooms out of my life and I allow myself to see myself from a much wider view, I begin to notice that, well, to be honest, today's blessings are not always for me. I carry a lot of privilege and power and comfort in my life. And the danger of privilege and power and comfort is that it can allow us to ignore the suffering of others, not necessarily out of malice, but simply because, well, if I don't experience the suffering others do, it is easy to miss or skim over their pain and injustice. For those of us who are full, it can be really easy to not fully encounter, not fully see those who are hungry. For those of us who are comfortable, it is easy not to give much thought to those who are poor or mourning. To those of us who are regularly praised or thanked, it is hard to understand what it is like for those who are regularly humiliated, prejudged, or rejected. So I don't know about you, but the hard-to-name truth for me is the place where my healing comes from today is just as much in the woes as it is in the blessings. My healing is in the challenge and transformation that these woes offer to me as they open me up to others. Grace, grace isn't a warm and fuzzy feeling all the time. It isn't a big red Valentine's Day gorilla you pick up at the store that only says, I love you. Grace, God's love, is transformational. And transformation involves growing, and growing sometimes involves pain. So where does the woes of Luke of Luke's Beatitudes linger in your life? Where do they linger in our life? Where do we find ourselves feeling uncomfortable by Jesus' radical words of love, justice, grace, and inclusion? Where do we find ourselves in the places of privilege, power, and comfort, the place where it's easy to skim over or miss or not even pay attention to others? Where do we need grace to offer us transformation? blessings and woes, encouragement and challenge, healing and repentance. Jesus takes the world and flips it upside down and shakes it up a bit 
in the Beatitudes. Those who are often made to feel that they are blessed are not blessed, are lifted up. And those who are often named as blessed are pulled down. And where do they meet? They meet on a plane, on equal footing. And seeing each other face to face, they're invited into relationship. The pain is where the plane is where Luke places the Beatitudes. It's different from Matthew, where it's on a hilltop, a mountainside, a Sermon on the Mount. This is the Sermon of the Plain. And it's not just a geographical location in this story. It is also a spiritual space. It's the coming together on equal ground. The gospel is careful in pointing out that the plain is a healing place in this gospel story. The gospel that Jesus proclaims is a leveling kind of grace that turns over the structures and perceptions that divide and invite people into a new holy reality, a flat land of healing and relationship. The next lesson that Jesus teaches in the gospel that we don't hear this year is the lesson that includes love your enemy a challenging words of coming together. Healing and wholeness are found in God's love and grace that embraces, that draws all creation together and makes all things whole. Blessings and woes, encouragement and challenge, healing and repentance, the place of healing, of deep faith and discipleship is found it's found when we can bravely hear Christ's blessings and the words of woe spoken into our lives and in our community and into our world. We all have parts of our lives to be blessed, to be uplifted and nurtured so that we can take our place as beloved children of God. And we all have parts of our lives that need repentance and lowering of humbling and turning so that we can enter true relationship with each other. It is in standing on the plane with Christ, with others, with all creation, that we encounter the full power of God's healing and transformation. Christ sets our feet on the level ground side by side so that we can take our place in living out the dominion of God right here and right now. Blessings and woes, encouragement and challenge, healing and repentance, transformation for all. May we encounter all of these as gifts from God. May we find healing and take our place as disciples of Christ. And let us continue to be part of the amazing things that God is doing right here and right now. Amen. And thanks be to God. Friends, in prayer, we feel God's love connecting us over distance, over situation, connecting us in love and care for ourselves and one another. Let us pray. Holy God, ever-present, ever-guiding, you reveal to us a renewed vision for creation, one where all share fully in the dignity and worth of life. 
We give you thanks, O oh God, for all of the blessings that surround us, the moments that inspire us, strengthen us, and comfort us, the moments that challenge us to grow, change, and share in the work of healing. We give you thanks for a new day, for this new day, for this new opportunity, for the blessings of creation, the care of community, and all things that enrich our lives. Holy God, your gifts flow through your creation. We thank you for the gifts of time, talent, prayers, food, and money shared with our church. May they continue to be used in a way that draws us together in worship and brings healing and justice to all. Bless all the gifts we share. We pray for all who are struggling with job loss, with underemployment, with poverty. We pray for the support services in our community that are helping people, including the YMCA. We pray for all who are hungry. We pray for the Salvation Army Food Bank in our community and all who are offering food support and all who are in need. We pray for all who are providing essential services to members of our community, including the CARE group that utilizes space here at our church. We pray for all who are living with addiction, all who are grieving the loss of a loved one, all who are facing difficult challenges in health, and all who are struggling through this time of pandemic. We hold in prayer Dr. Ian Era and all who work in public health as they continue to guide us through this pandemic. We pray for all who are administering vaccination, working to educate and answer questions, and all who are working for a vaccine equality across this world. We pray for our local, provincial, and federal leaders. As we mark Black History Month, we pray for racial justice and equity. We pray for healing and renewal. We pray for healing in our country in the face of recent protests. We pray for peaceful resolutions. We pray for people on all sides holding on to your vision of healing and reconciliation. Help us, O oh God, to continue to care for one another as we protect the vulnerable and work for peace. We pray, hold in prayer the people of Ukraine and all who experience violence, war, or threat. We join with churches throughout Western Ontario Waterways Regional Council in praying for the people of Centennial United Church in Stainer. And we join with the World Council of Churches as we pray for Austria, Liechtenstein, and Switzerland. And we offer our individual prayers to you now. Holy God, we pour out these prayers, joining them with the prayers of all creation, trusting in dear, deep love, and open to the ways in which we can share that love. And together we join in saying the Lord's Prayer, using whichever language or version is most meaningful to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I invite Sylvia back up to share with us a reading um, from the United Church for Black History Month. It's called Learning to be Black. Reverend Andrew Kenoti Larange writes that growing up in post-colonial Kenya, he did not know what it was to be a person of color. It is in Canada that he is learning to be black. The blog post by Reverend Andrew Kenoti Larange is a part of a series of reflections from Black History Month in 2020. For the Black History Month, I have been thinking, how did I end up in this country? To answer this question, two historical dates popped up in my mind, 1833 and 1884. The Slavery Abolition Act was passed by the British Parliament to end slavery in the British Empire in 1833. It took effect in 1834. In 1884, the Berlin Conference was held. Here, the powerful European nations and the United States met to divide the continent of America among themselves. It is after this conference that the whole of Africa, save for Ethiopia, became a colony of European countries. In a way, this is where my journey to Canada began. The first official colonizer sent by the British Empire to colonize Maru, my people in Kenya, was a 26-year-old man named Edward Butler Horn. He had spent several years in Canada and Wyoming, working both as a lumberjack and a ranch hand. He was an accomplished hunter who was lured to Africa by the prospect of the big game. With the experience gained in Canada, Mr. Horn subjected our people to the British by the power of the gun. Horn's conquest of our people in 1907 started a long process of creating us in the image of British Empire hence my English language. Following Mr. Horn's successful colonization of my people, the Maru region became easily accessible by the United Methodist Church of England's missionaries who had been offered Maru region by the colonial governor in 1900, but had not yet made inroads. The first Methodist mission in Maru was built in 1912. This explains why I am a Methodist minister who's found his way in the United Church of Canada. Back to the first two dates that I began with, it appears the imperial establishment did not base the Slavery Abolition Act on the altruism. If the 1833 Act was really well-meaning for the African people, why is it that when the Berlin Conference took place, Britain took the biggest loot? The Berlin Conference was meant to enslave the African in her own habitat. She could now provide cheap labor and raw materials for Europe as a colonized subject. But my people fought hard against colonization. The collapse of apartheid in South Africa in 1994 brought to an end the official colonization of Africa by Europe. The effects of colonization still remain though. Having grown up in post-colonial Africa, I did not experience direct racial discrimination, unlike my parents and grandparents. 
but finding my way in the United States where I lived for two years and later in Canada where I've been for the last nine years, I've learned, I have had to learn new realities. In Canada, I had to quickly learn my new identity. I had to learn new terminologies like visible minority, people of color, and racialized people. In my early days, I didn't know if I fell in any of the, these categories. In Kenya, I am just me. I am not a person of color or visible minority. It is in Canada that I am learning to be black. As a recent black immigrant to Canada, Black History Month has been a time when I remember and honor our ancestors who were shipped to this part of the world unwillingly. I honor my black brothers and sisters whose ancestors were enslaved in this country as well as the United States, the Caribbean, and many other places. I take time to learn and listen to their experience in a diaspora. I also honor my African ancestors who fought colonization. Black History Month is a time to think on ways of undoing the effect of the Berlin Conference for the Africans in the mother continent. It's also a time to remind myself that I am not in Canada as an act of charity. I am here because somebody designed it long before I was born. I remind myself that I am, I am here unapologetically. Actually, more Africans, will, uh, more Africans like me will continue coming. The simple reason is a new generation of post-colonial children has come of age. They have mastered the art and the language of the colonizer. Above that, they know their rights in the new world order. Even the institution that I work for, the United Church of Canada, will continue getting more and more black clergy from Africa and the Caribbean. The question is, how much is the church ready to receive us? How much is the church informed about where we come from? Could it be a time to teach intentionally in our churches about the effects and outcomes of colonization, as well as ramifications of enslavement of African people? I invite you to join with me in singing, and you're invited to stand if you'd like or sit. Um, if during the service anytime you just need to move a bit, feel free to. But I invite you to join with me in singing, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace.
as we conclude this time of worship, may God continue to fill our lives with blessings and woes, ever guiding us, ever inspiring us, and ever leading us in the path of transformation and healing. May God bless us and keep us this day and always. Let us go to share God's love in our words and in our action. Amen.